This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Hey, open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 6. And while you're doing that, um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, little Jack Dorsey might be fun this morning. But, um, but not for the reason you think. Uh, there's been a movement in Silicon Valley. Uh, Darren, I don't, maybe you participated in this before you moved out here. I don't know. It was the, the, what's happening amongst tech leaders is they want to extend their lives and they're spending billions of dollars on technology, uh, Google, Facebook. I don't know if Facebook's in that one. Uh, literally billions of dollars to try to create technology that will extend our lives. And this piece in uh, The Guardian was utterly hilarious to me because the question is, is you know, who wants to live on a, uh, to 100 years old on a diet of lentil and broccoli slurry, Right? Mostly rich men, it says here, but, and I would, I, I might add Cody Cawthon. I mean, I've seen what that guy will put in a blender in the morning for his leftovers, but what they're, what they're driving at is this quest for extending our existence on the planet. And this is the regimen of one of the guys in the interview. This is, there's multiple people they interviewed, including Dorsey, but uh, Brian Johnson is one of the guys that's trying to extend his life, and he's, uh, he drinks a, a murky concoction involving olive oil, cocoa flavanols. I, th- I had a flavanol surgically removed <laughs> a while back. Something derived from algae, so you guys that have cattle ponds, you know, you know, key to longevity. Breakfast will be a blended green slurry of lentils, broccoli, and mushrooms with lunch and dinner, not much different. 45-year-old American entrepreneur is religious. Isn't that an interesting word? About his sleep follows a strict workout regimen. Monitors the performance of his vital organs using hospital-grade medical equipment and suggests to his social media followers that deviating from what he calls the, quote, blueprint to have a raucous night out and getting wasted with friends is a form of self-harm. If your best friend started behaving like this, you would worry that she was developing an eating disorder. But men like Johnson, who monastically disciplined routine went viral on Twitter this week, consider themselves biohackers, scientific pioneers pushing the boundaries of human life expectancy in what amounts to an attempt to hack death itself. He claims his experiment from which he hopes to devise rules anyone can use I mean, everyone, who doesn't have like a bio chamber right at the house? <laughs> Allows him to resist aging successfully that for every 365 days, I age 277 days. Whatever that means. Yet contemplating his dessert of olive oil with pellets of dark chocolate floating glumly on it, you have to ask, is it worth it? And that is the question. Because what they're putting it differently, you could extend your existence without living at all. Everything they're trying to accomplish in the scientific community right now has everything to do with your biology, 
with your physiology and nothing to do with your spirituality, nothing to do with your soul, nothing to do with your emotions. In other words, you could live for 200 years, maybe, but if you don't know why you're alive, if you're not really living, is it even worth it? Jesus says no. And in John chapter 6, he starts talking to a group of people that have followed him all over the Sea of Galilee, trying to find him so that he could make more free sandwiches. They had heard that this guy makes free food. We got to find him. And so in verse 25 of chapter 6, parenthetically, there's a lot in John 6. We're not going to get it all today. I encourage you to spend some time this week going deep into these verses all the way to the end of this chapter, but we're going we're gonna to hit a few and we're going to ask a couple questions of the verses that we get to read. But in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, how did you get here? They've literally been bouncing around. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You want more food. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Don't work for green slurry and lentils and whatever else in your biohack, but work for food that leads to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? If you're a Bible underliner, you should have this next verse underlined, starred, asterisked, like the pink, get the pink highlighter out. And if you're not a Bible underliner, start right now. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. We're so grateful for you. So thankful for your word. So thankful for your goodness. Thankful that you by no choice of our own, by the grace of God alone that we grew up in the United States of America where we have the freedom to gather as a church family here this morning. We don't want to take that for granted. Our brothers and sisters in Iran, Afghanistan, don't have those kinds of freedoms. Thank you. We didn't, we didn't choose this. You allowed us. It's your grace that we're here. We're so grateful for the amazing churches in this community. Pastor Tom, Thompson Station Church, we stand on the shoulders of faithful men like him that were here long before it was cool to plant a church in Middle Tennessee. Thankful for Rob and for what Grace Chapel has done for these slave families. What a way to bring unity into this community, Lord, to just put our eyes and our focus on what matters. 242 families are going to go free. Jesus, you are here in this church. You are here in churches all over Middle Tennessee. We are all lifting up your name this morning, Father. We are all on the same page for the same glory of the same God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to ask the text three questions. Now, lucky for you, I started with about 12 and then I whittled them down. 
I understand that. Look, here's the thing. Uh, do you know about the ADD? Do you know that? Like, if I was raised in this modern day, they would have medicated the heck out of me. But they, fortunately, I was raised in the 80s, and they just told you to sit still and you know, sit in the corner. Point is, I get bored of listening to me after about 30 minutes, too. So you don't have to worry <laughs> that I'm going to go too long. But I want to tell you that I want to ask these three questions of the text this morning. What is the bread of life? Why does it matter? And how do I get it? Those are the three questions that we're going to ask, and we're going to let the text answer the question for us and pray that God gives us wisdom of how it, what it means and how it matters in our own lives. What is the bread of life? So it says when they found him on the other side, we just read that. He says, you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs. You're working for food. And this is the one I wanted to say. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. So Jesus often in his teachings would take a word that the culture understood something that they were searching for, and then he would say, you, you're searching for it here, but here is how I am what you are actually searching for. He did that with the word logos. The Greek, Aristotle, Plato, they, the, the word logos was if, I could, the, if you could understand the meaning of the universe, the, this unknown meaning, if you could somehow discern that, then you would reach like this form of consciousness, and you would be the Logos. And John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He used the word Logos. The Logos. You're looking for meaning out here, and the Logos was, was born here. He used that word with the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia is the word that Jesus used in Matthew when he was talking about the church, right? He said that my ecclesia, right, on, on this foundation and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the word ecclesia in Greco-Roman culture was this almost government-like thing, like where 50 to 70 leaders would come together in the middle of town, called out from their homes into the middle, and they would come together and they would like solve the problems of the community. So think uh, school board or homeowners association. Right? If you park your camel to, on, the, on the street tonight, it's going to get towed. Like, they're solving the problems of the community. Jesus was saying, that ecclesia, my ecclesia, the, I'm, the, I, this is my ecclesia, my called out ones that are going to solve the problems of the community, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's saying that we are an ecclesia, that we are called not into here, but out there to speak into our local governments, to speak into our leadership, to be a voice of change, to be a voice of reason and calm and love. That's Jesus' ecclesia, right? And so he comes back here and he uses a word called zoe, which is a word that in the Greek culture meant like radical life, Aristotle Plato, again, they had lots to say in philosophy as to what Zoe was. And it was like energized life. Think Tony Robbins on steroids. Uh, just think of all the Instagram influencers telling you how to get into your van and, and travel across the country and live out of your car and, and then forget that Chris Farley said that that's you living in a van down by the river. Like, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a prize 20 years ago. Like, we were like, wait. <laughs> but if you live in a van down by the river, good for you. But 
we're trying to find the Zoe in our world, which is just this energized life to get out from under the, the, the work, the burden, the mortgage, those feelings that the Zoe life in the Greek culture was their version of that, I, we just to find a way to live. And Jesus says that I, Jesus, am the bread of Zoe. If you eat this, that's how you will get that kind of radical, energized life. That, that's the promise that he's making. He's saying, I'm that. The work that our friends in Silicon Valley are doing is extensive. But in this piece, the question of is it worth it is a legitimate question. Let's listen to what this writer says. You'll be able to listen as soon as I find my glasses. Technically, these are my wife's. Did you recognize these? Yeah. I left mine at home, so I grabbed my wife's. You guys make fun of me with my little click glasses, but there's a reason I have those. Listen to this piece. At present, our bodies are built to last. If you look, uh, if you took perfect care of your body, 125 years, according to Stroll, one of the guys they're interviewing, the problem is that if someone did live to be 125, they're unlikely to remain spry to their final decades. Do you want to, who wants to live in a decrepit state, he said. We've increased lifespans a lot, but we haven't improved the quality of the lifespan. So think with me. The the people that are searching for Jesus, they are searching for bread. They're searching for some practical way for their life to be better, free bread. These guys are just taking it another step, spending billions of dollars to try to extend our existence. But the thing about the Greek language is there's another word for life called bios. Bios is your heart beating, your lungs breathing, it's existing. These experts are trying to extend your bios, to extend your existence, but have nothing to say about your Zoe, about your radical life. And Jesus is making the promise that that radical life is who he is. It's what he's come to be for you. To, to not just extend your existence. Can you imagine living a thousand years with no reason to live at all. Doesn't that sound like hell? Existence without living? I don't mean to bust the chops of our friends in the epidemiology community. Actually, I do. But there were so many people in white lab coats who knew everything about epidemiology. They knew all about the physiology. And they knew nothing about your spirituality, nothing about your soul, nothing about what it means to live life and have it more abundantly. Sure, you could wear a mask for the rest of your life, but is that really living? What kind of a cost are you willing to pay to extend your bios at the expense of your Zoe. Now, you might have a different equation than I do. But I'm 51. For those of you keeping track at home, that's half a century. Entire clothing styles have come, gone, and now they're back again. Y'all in your mom jeans? 
We've done that. We did that already. My son wants to grow a mustache. Now, fortunately, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> I, almost, I almost said something my dad used to say, which is inappropriate. So anyway, um, well, <laughs> listen to the deeper podcast for that. So here's the point. Um, the bread of life is the radical life of Christ, the, the, the God kind of life. And we have to ask the question, why does it matter? There are people in this room who your life right now, the way that you wanted it to be, is not the way that it is. Business didn't work out. Marriage is not what you thought it was going to be. Your baby is sitting in an ER that without any explanation. That's not what you thought it was going to be, so how does this matter if you're heading into a Christmas dinner with a family that is going to be awkward and painful and sad and alone? Or I might add, why does this matter if you're crushing it? Your company rocked it this year. You are dominating, kicking butt, taking names. Why do you need this if you've got that? That's the question we've got to ask. Because Jesus, the gospel is true. It has to be true in every situation or it's not true at all. So Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now remember, they're looking for free lunch. They're looking for a very practical solution right in front of them. Never be thirsty. He had a conversation with a woman by a well just a couple chapters ago talking about living water. And now he's talking about bread. In chapter 4, he was talking about my meat and drink, right, is to do the will of the Father. He's using language here that talks to us about what it means to live and how we're going to get that life in verse 27 that in, uh, endures to eternal Zoe. It's literally the substance of the Creator. See, the reason that it matters is in the garden, Adam and Eve had Zoe. They had the God kind of life. Before that, Lucifer desired Zoe. I will rise and be like God. I will. But, but Lucifer was not made in God's image. You and I were, let us make man in our image. We were created with Zoe in mind. We had that, and we lost it because we live in the east of Eden. We are not in Genesis 2 any longer. We're in Genesis 3. And so what Christ came to do was to restore that relationship that doesn't start in just the sweet by and by. For sure, that's part of it. But your Zoe doesn't 
Start the last breath you take here and the first on the other side. Zoe starts the moment you are born again. You are a new creature. Behold, all things have become new with you. The old things are passed away. You are already that. And the way that Jesus is trying to make this case practical for us is to say that, look, I've come to give you life. I didn't come to make you rich. I didn't come to make you poor. I, didn't, I, ju- I came to bring you life. Now, some of you have read this quote, or you've beamed it. You might have even tweeted it. For all I know, I've said this out loud, maybe even in a sermon. But can I tell you something? This idea that don't, don't ask yourself what the world needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do that, because what the world needs is people who have come fully alive. It sounds really beautiful, doesn't it? Such a lovely bromide. But think about what he's saying here. <laughs> if you are a football player, what if the only thing you ever do is say, you know what, I know that guy's open right now, but I'm going to throw to, because I feel more fully alive if I throw it down this way. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going <laughs> to... I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't want to because what will make me fully alive is if I just go for the half-court shot right now. That'll make me fully alive. Young med students, who cares what the diagnosis is? Do whatever surgery makes you come fully alive. <laughs> do you see, like on paper, that sounds really good, but in practicality, it's not because this is about what you do to make you become alive. Jesus calls that the food that spoils The gospel is about who you are that makes you come alive, and that food does not spoil. Which is why Dostoevsky, I literally, every time I say that name, I say it different, and I'm almost certain I always say it wrong. If you don't know who Dostoevsky is, a guy that was held in communist prisons back in the 1800s, one of the fathers of modern philosophy, finds... Christ, in in, in a relationship with Christ, and one of the things that he writes, uh, I believe this is in the Brothers Kazmanov, but the mystery of human existence lies not just in staying alive, but in finding something to live for. See, your job is not something to live for, because eventually you get bored of your job. Listen, young men, your wife, young women, your husband is not something to live for. If if you put that weight on them to get your Zoe from your spouse, you will crush them under the weight. They weren't meant to bear that weight. Now, they live with you. You're together. You're making each other more like Christ in that marriage. But that is not how you're going to find Zoe. There are all kinds of false Zoes out there. And some of us do it with our CrossFit. Props to you, by the way. Some of us do it with our looks, right? (laughs) Careers. There there, there are false Zoes. They're they're good things. They're food, but they're food that spoils. They're good. One that the Bible makes really clear is in Ephesians 5, verse 18, when it speaks, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to excess. Uh, I think one of the translations says exhaustion, but debauchery is one of the words. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why that 
is one that I bring up very specifically this morning. It, it's an easy one because it's more obvious, but when you drink a lot, and I'm not talking about wine with Christmas dinner, you guys, we can have a theology conversation later. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being drunk with alcohol. Now, if anyone has ever been drunk, you know something that I know. It's awesome. I have no inhibitions. Singing German love songs, I don't even know German. And you know, by the morning, you feel terrible. You feel embarrassed. It was food that spoils. You see, that form of false Zoe, the reason I bring it up is because it is like every other form of false Zoe in that it brings you that energy, that radical life, not by embracing reality, but by suppressing reality. That's why they call them beer goggles. Suppressing reality. That's why they call it liquid courage. I have the courage. I can go ask her out. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> Because it was liquid stupidity. Because you are numbing reality, not enhancing reality. Again, that's an obvious one. But most, everyone I could think of, of pursuit of me or you trying to find Zoe is about suppressing reality, ignoring it so that I don't have to deal with it. That happens in our careers. I'm just going to work harder. Man, my company's dying. I'm going to keep working harder. I'm suppressing reality. Some of you all just doom scroll away because that suppresses reality. I don't have to deal with what's out there. I'm dealing with what's in here. I don't say anything about anything with any shame on you at all. The gospel is not shame on you. The gospel is shame off you. But I'm saying that there are forms of Zoe that we're pursuing that in that moment you do feel better. In that moment you do feel great. Sin is fun for a season, but it suppresses reality and it's food that spoils. See, in the, in the gospel, the gospel is not, in our Western mindset, we think the gospel, it kind of comes from Aristotle and Plato and the Western culture of that it's all about ideas, it's all about the mind and the head. So, if, you know, the philosophy, and if we can get these great ideals, and then, and by the way, the gospel full of great ideas, the gospel full of great wisdom. It is not less than that, it is just so much more. And on the other hand, in Eastern religions, it's about the mystical experience and the mysticism. And if I can just ascertain this consciousness, which is why, which is why Richard Rohr, look, if you like Richard Rohr, I'm about to maybe hurt your feelings, but the reason that Richard Rohr is lost the plot is he talks about this thing called Christ consciousness. If you just replace Buddha with Jesus, it's the same thing. Christ consciousness isn't a thing. That's why when you read some tweets from some music artists that say, yeah, I, I'm Jesus and you're Jesus because Jesus is all of us, that, that it's like a Goo Goo Doll song. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Baby's black balloon makes me fly. <laughs> 
I almost fell into a hole in your life. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> what Jesus has come to. Look, here's why, here's why I'm so glad that God, that Jesus is not a Western religion or an Eastern religion. You know, one, this is one reason I can think of more. Because a child cannot understand that. A child can't be a mystic. A child cannot be a philosopher. And the gospel, again, has to be true in every situation or not true in any. The gospel is deep and profound. It's been studied by thousands of years by theologians, and it is so simple that a child can understand it. A child knows how to come into a king boldly. A, a child knows how to kick down the door of his daddy's throne room if he's the king and just come busting in because it's his daddy boldly into the throne room of grace. That's what a child can do. That's the gospel that he wants from us to know that the bread of life is me. The bread of life isn't a thing. It's not an idea. It's not a mystical experience. It's a person. It's Jesus. You can have a relationship with that. And in that moment, in that relationship, if I understand that he's the bread of life, that's about my, not about my physical comfort, not about my financial success, those things, again, we're in Genesis 3. He is going to redeem. There is a promise. He's coming. He's going to kick Satan's butt. It's over. But for now, we are living in occupied territory. There are going to be things that happen in this world that are not fantastic. Jesus never said, I'm going to keep you out of those things. He said, I'm going to walk you right through the middle of those things. And in that Zoe life, in the highest highs and the lowest lows, Jesus is the same. And if you don't know that, you're going to keep suing God for the rest of your life for breach of contract. I did my part. Why are you not doing your part? Because I had a contract. And Jesus says, well, we'll end with this. How do I get it? Not by suing God. By believing. The work is to believe. The work is to believe that your work doesn't work. That's it. My work is to believe the work doesn't work. And thank God for that because you know as well as I do that on your best day, you're still not good enough. And the gospel says that on my worst day, I'm still not too bad enough. He says that they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires. He said, the work of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. And then he goes on in verse 48 and says, I am the bread of life. He talks about your ancestors eating. So now he's, and he, we're gonna get to this in January. He talks about eating my flesh, drinking my blood. He's like eating and it freaks them all the way out. But he's saying, there's, what he's talking about is an appropriation of him, his life, right into us. Us appropriating him into us. And I know that in our culture, appropriation has these weird pejorative ideas now. Uh, one of the greatest appropriation experiences I ever had was in the home of Dino and Cheryl Kartsanakis. Anybody know Dino? I, I got to be careful. A couple of you. Okay. I got to tell this quickly. Shannon and I, years ago, were invited to a Christmas party at Dino's house now. They were having a uh, white elephant. No, did they call it a white elephant party? Okay. okay, well, here's the thing. In my little redneck, white trash culture that I grew up in, okay, respect to all you, you know what I'm saying. We, we did, like, when we did those parties, they were jokes. 
Like, you got joke gifts, not gifts, jokes. I didn't know that someone had appropriated my culture into something new. So we show up with a, I swear I'm not making this up, a, w, a leather WWE wallet with chain for our gift and a box of sea monkeys. Now, Shannon would want me to point out that I was the one that chose those gifts, not her. Okay, we walk into this home. There are $500 money trees as like bonus prizes just for people to be, I'm like, oh, wow. They have got a chef from Greece that they've flown in for the, for the pastries, and I am holding a wrapped present with a leather wallet with Vince McMahon on, I'm just, oh, man. I was so embarrassed. So first present opens at the White Elephant Party, and it, they pop it open, and it was 1998 or nine. a DVD player. Do you remember how much DVD players cost in 1998? Right now, Dino's mom, God rest her soul, literally almost killed somebody to get that DVD player in a steal. The next comes out, and I think it was actually Gary McSpadden, and it was like a, a Bob the Tomato or Larry the Cucumber mug with a cucumber in it. Oh, thank God, somebody else got this. Oh, no, no, look in the mug. Oh, yeah, there's a $100 bill in the mug. I'm like, oh, my. We've <laughs> there was no question who brought the sea monkeys. And the, now, by the way, that wallet, that was pretty good. Dino and Dino and Cheryl, because they are wonderful human beings, and they probably don't remember me, but they'll never forget that night. Uh, they were so gracious that they actually did the steal so that nobody had to go home with a box of sea monkeys and a wallet. I wanted to call them. Hey, bro, can I get the wallet? Because I kind of like that. Uh, but, okay, here's why I'm saying that. The, my culture didn't fit in that. Like, I was trying to shove my culture into their culture, and it wasn't working. Me trying to shove my agenda into God's agenda doesn't work. Do, look, do your CrossFit, do your, your, your slurry, do your work, your, but do it from Zoe, not for Zoe. Out of Zoe, not for, appropriating Jesus into you, taking in the words of Jesus, communion, prayer, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And, and then you will, right, he, he talks about bearing fruit, that's John 15. There's multiple ways that you can appropriate into you Jesus, not to get saved, you're already there. This is all about now eating fuel. You see, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. But that bread doesn't do you any good unless that bread is broken. I, if some of y'all have made me some sourdough bread for Christmas. Thank you. I'm planning to just duct tape it right to my gut because that's where it's going anyway. <sighs> Bread doesn't do me any good unless I break it, at, I eat, break it, eat it in, and it fuels me. I could butter it up and lick it, doesn't do me any good. I can sleep on it. I can hold it. Doesn't do me any good until it's broken. That's why the cross was so important for Jesus, because his broken body that's why he's not just a good teacher. If he's a good teacher, I'm in trouble because I'll never know everything he knows. It's why he wasn't just a good example because a good example is going to crush me. I'll never be able to do and be what he was. It's why I don't need somebody to be uh, Jesus to be my therapist. I didn't need Jesus to make me happy. I don't need Jesus to make me feel better. I need Jesus to save me. And the only way, it's his stripes you were healed. His body broken, right? His blood shed so that I now can be 
the righteousness of God in Christ so that I now can have the Zoe kind of life because he has now taken me and given me the direct connection back to Eden, back to the Father, the Holy Spirit. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're not just some guy trying to pass a test? You're not some young lady just trying to memorize all the Bible verses? You are a daughter of the King. You're a son of the King. Act like it. Not out of arrogance. Humility. But you have the power of God inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That same Zoe. Again, do your thing. Do your career. Do your work. Do, and do it all. One last time. Not for Zoe, but from Zoe. Because if you start with Zoe, if you start with the bread of life, the workouts are sweeter. Even if you look like me, you don't, you don't, it's not quite as bad as it was before because I got Zoe. And the highest highs, you don't hang on to those because that's bread that spoils and it won't last. At the lowest lows, that's bread that spoils and it won't last. This is the bread of life and it's eternal and it will live forever in you because you have taken into you the broken body of Christ. Stand to your feet. I've got to get you out of here. I am... It's the last time I really get to preach before January, so I had to get it all out in one thing. <laughs> Forget what I said about ADD. Apparently, I wasn't bored. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. Thank you for my brothers and sisters heading into their Christmas families, experiences, and all those things. Would you be with them? Father, be, uh, fill us with Zoe. <laughs> As we take in the bread of life through abiding in you, take in the bread of life through your word, take in the bread of life through staying on mission with you, it will fuel us nutrition in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.